You know, it's not just us. We got a little girl we got to think about. I know. I am thinking about her. I can't do this anymore. Maybe you're just thinking about yourself. What about Frankie? You wanted to grow up in a broken home? Is that what you want? I'm thinking about Frankie. You're not thinking about Frankie. Thinking about no, Frankie. you're not. Is this how you wanted to grow up? I don't want her to grow up in a home where her parents treat each other like this. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Baby, I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. I know. <laughs> Baby, I'm just fighting, you know, fighting for my family. I don't know what to do. I don't know what else to do. Tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. I don't know what to do. Tell me how I should be. I don't know. Just tell me. I'll do it. I'll do it. I don't know what to say. I'm so sorry. I don't know what else to do. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Just tell We're me. We're not good together. We're not good anymore. Don't the way that, that we treat each other. I can't stop. You can't stop. I can't stop. I don't know what else to do. I can't stop. I can't stop. <laughs> no. Scott, if your life had a face, I would punch it. Yeah. Wait, what? Let me ask you something. Why would always you make the point of saying someone's not a genius? You think I'm especially not a genius? Veronica, why are you pulling my dick? My fat one, you cheap dime store hood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of The Greatest Moments in the History of Forever. I'm Zach. I'm Matt. And this is episode number 213, Blue Valentine. I think this has probably been on my list of episodes that we were planning on doing for I've been quite some to time. put it off yeah. since the beginning. Yeah, this was a Big Matt movie. I mean, anything that's sort of about a relationship falling apart is my wheelhouse. Always yeah. drawn to that. You're one of those dudes. Yeah. So this is a special Valentine's Day episode. We're releasing this a little bit earlier than usual. Get it out there for all you young lovers out there so you can see what's in your future. <laughs> it's where it's all heading. <laughs> it's not great. No. <laughs> Before we talk about Blue Valentine, though, let's talk to our listeners about the show. We're back to regular episodes. We tried to revisit it. I think it went pretty well. I think people were into it. If you missed it, we redid Silence of the Lambs last week, which was an early episode we did. We are going to do three more revisited episodes this year as sort of like a test run. I felt good about the episode. I feel a lot better about my life now that it's out there. 
we're on the record with a better yeah, Silence of the Lambs it Really, a movie that's just so beloved by both of us and what we had out there before, just pure trash. Yeah, I was still being hypercritical and thinking like, oh man, there was a lot of stuff we left on the table as far as stuff to talk about or jokes well, or whatever. But then I would remember, well, it, at least it yeah. isn't the first time. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, we managed to do like a solid two hours and 40 minutes on it or whatever it ended up being. Yeah. It's never going to be perfect. No, no. Especially when it's something that we both care about so much. It's usually the things we don't care about as much that end up being the best. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> there's no expectations. <laughs> so maybe this movie will be great. Yeah, yeah. I think there's some fun to be had with Blue Valentine. Yeah, so follow the show on Twitter, at Greatest Pod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Podbean. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We would really appreciate it. We love reading the reviews. If you want a sticker, reach out via Twitter. We've had a little bit of a slowdown with the sticker requests. Please, I think it'll come back. Reach out for those stickers. Yeah, if I got a, thinking about doing it. Just do it. I got a lot to get rid of. <laughs> I may have ordered too many. Yeah, I told you from the beginning. <laughs> I was like, you better be sticking ten in those envelopes, <laughs> or you're gonna be sitting on a lot of stickers. Right, right. If you have a listener request, you can let us know via Twitter as well. We have a couple of listener requests coming up very soon. So if you have one of those in and you're waiting, don't worry. We haven't forgotten. We'll get to it. I got one via text. Rejected immediately. That was a hard pass. (laughs) (laughs) Well, requests from your sister don't count. No, no. (laughs) Although we did do one before. (laughs) Well, the house bunny was a legitimate request. To be fair, the house bunny was on the list. (laughs) Either way. God, there's like a million episodes that we've done that I can't remember one second of what it was like. Well, that's like the last 200 episodes for me. <laughs> Where were we? What else? Letterboxd. Zach oh, yeah. 1983. Matt Crosby. Letterboxd is going good. I'm feeling the uh, the Ask Clown community is engaging with each other on there. A little bit, yeah. Somewhat. Yeah. Somewhat slowly. A few of you are really diving in. We want everyone to post reviews. Let us know what you're watching comment on our reviews i think following me on letterboxd probably a little crazy since i'm (laughs) posting like four or five movies a day we're all working from home people i just put movies on as soon as i wake up and then there's four or five a day and i'm like the opposite of you like periods of nothing and then i have to like shotgun blast them all in like a small window of time yeah well the weekends i've been a little bit more busy somehow and haven't been able to watch as much (laughs) man i'd love to know what that means well, you were involved last <laughs> weekend. I think that's everything, isn't it? As far as housekeeping? Uh, yeah. So let's jump into Blue Valentine. It came out over 10 years ago, technically in 2010, although we didn't see it until early 2011 in the theater. So Shocking. we're at like the 10th anniversary of our screening, basically. Unbelievable to me that yeah. it's been 10 years. Yeah, it's hard to believe. Hard to believe. I loved this movie before I saw it, even. You know, I was <laughs> oh, <God>. super <laughs> in on the trailer, was excited to see it in the theater, liked it. The material was dark. I remember it affecting me a lot more than it certainly does now. <laughs> Rewatching it, I was not finding it to be as powerful as when I saw it 10 years ago. Uh, well, I was just going to bring that up. Is this the sort of movie that you think is deep when you're young and you're still like caught up in the bullshit but then once you get older you're just sort of like oh these people i cannot believe it yeah i know i guess once you get past that point where you would would ever think that you would be this invested in something again (laughs) like once you get past that point it's hard to feel that relatability but at a certain time in your life you fully get this and i do think that this is 
well documented. I, I think Sea Inference does like a great job with the material. It's just you get to a point in your life where you can never relate to acting like that. But you know. can there certainly are, remember it. There are older people that are married that scream at each other no matter how old they are. Well, that's it, true. It does seem crazy. Now I can't imagine screaming about anything other than like getting out of the way if you're in my way while I'm watching a movie. Yeah. I guess like Lindsay and I get into like screaming matches over like what YouTube videos to watch. (laughs) I will say this is a map pick, so I wasn't as enthused about it. Although. Yeah, you really aren't afraid of putting that out there. (laughs) No, I'm being. I like to be honest with the listener. Yeah. If I pick it, there's no way you're going to get into it. (laughs) That's not true. Yeah. I liked Green Room. Okay. All right. What was the other one we did? I don't Lately. Know. Hard to remember anymore. It's out of mind. I'm as glad soon as that we're, we're done. checking them off the list then since you don't even remember doing them. <laughs> Winter's Bone. That's true. Five easy pieces. Oh, yeah. What was the other one? I don't know. Anyway. I guess, yeah. My I, point was, though, that despite that coming into it, I did enjoy the movie. I enjoyed it the first time we saw it, too. It oh, just yeah. isn't a movie that I felt like ever really rewatching. But coming into it now. I found myself laughing at it a lot, which I don't know if it was necessarily intentional, but I found some of it funny. And I will definitely say that a movie that everyone cummed in their pants over, fucking Marriage Story, this movie's way better than Marriage Story. Absolutely. It's sort of an embarrassing acting workshop of a movie where it's like, oh, let's just scream at each other and pretend like we're a real couple. You never really believe that Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson are a real couple yeah, in movie, I, or real people, really. Blue Valentine, for me, it's way closer to reality than oh, most Oh, I lived a lot of the scenes from this yeah. movie, including the, <laughs> the doctor's office <laughs> meltdown. Not exactly, but oh, yeah, you know, know. stuff was, like that. <laughs> and I guess that's why it's like you're so far removed from it now, because, boy, what an embarrassing time in life that just needs to be like locked away yeah. and never revisited. I actually think that I've probably been both people in this movie at various points. Yeah. The one who is way too emotional and then the one who's just like trying to back away from it and being like, "Ugh." Yeah, I would I would me. agree. I certainly feel like I've been the one who's been, you know, who fell asleep on the floor and was left at a <laughs> hotel room. <laughs> yeah, but we won't want to hear about your family vacations yeah. when you were 12. Really? <laughs> you were just drunk. <laughs> Blue Valentine was directed by Derek C. in France. This is the second yeah. C. in France movie we've done on the pod. I, I think I talked about it on Place Beyond the Pines. During this run, he was like a director that I was insanely excited about. I love both of these movies. That still, it, it's really kind of been like disappointing that you know he did that Light Between Oceans or whatever, which really was forgettable for me. Now There's, he does that show. He did a show with Mark Ruffalo on HBO okay. that no one liked. There's still time. <laughs> But, I mean, this was a guy that I was, like, really excited for that you just kind of feel like it's fallen off. It was written by C in France with Cami Delevingne and Joey Curtis. It stars Michelle Williams and Ryan Gosling, who were both co-executive producers as well. There's definitely, like, a story to the making of this movie, too. These two actors heavily involved with the project. The original score was done by Grizzly Bear, which is, like, another artifact of 10 years ago can't really imagine people being interested in that now i mean who have we heard from grizzly bear oh they're still putting out albums yeah Yeah. (laughs) it it is kind of weird though because i mean it's you know it's a mostly instrumental score and i mean they are a full band with vocals 
the most interesting thing about this movie to me and the music is the song You and Me by Penny and the Quarters. Awesome. <laughs> I, w- I was loving this part after the, the first viewing. It was originally recorded as a demo in the early 1970s for the obscure Prix label, P-R-I-X, maybe yeah. pre. I think the people, the musicians were teenagers at the time, and it was sort of just this lost demo that the Numero group put out in 2007 on some compilation. I think Gosling heard it oh, wow. and got it to be in this movie. And as of the movie coming out in 2010, Numero group was like looking for the original members. Like No one even really knew who it was. Oh, wow. I didn't know all that. They're like, oh, we're selling lots of copies now because of Blue Valentine. Who are these people? We can share some of these royalties with them. I think most of them were still alive, but maybe one of them had passed away just a little bit before this movie came out or some sometime around then. But yeah, it's just sort of this undiscovered gem that gets this spotlight because yeah, of this gem. movie. And then Gosling wrote and performed some songs himself as well in the movie, although his songs aren't like real songs. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> obviously he didn't write You Only yeah. Hurt the Ones You Love. Right. But the other stupid shit that he does throughout it, it sort of reminds me of that band that he's in. What is that called? Uh, Dead I Man's don't, Bones I don't know. or something. No. It's like, oof. Not for me. <laughs> the budget of Blue Valentine was $1 million. The box office ended up being $16.6 million. All right. That's a hit. Michelle Williams was nominated for best performance by an actress in a leading role at the Academy Awards that year. So it got one Oscar nomination. Come on. I feel like you act like this is a movie that time forgot. There's some significance (laughs) there. I think there's a lot of movies that got nominated for one acting award that if we went through history, you'd be like, what is that? (laughs) I've never heard of it. All right. No, I don't think this movie's been forgotten. And I I just put it over. I just said it was way better than Marriage Story. Fair. This is the movie that Marriage Story wished it could be. Yeah. And yet Marriage Story got nominated for way more shit. These are two people that I like to watch on screen, too. I mean, Gosling and Michelle Williams. I think that's a pretty dynamite combination. Yeah, I'm not really sure what Gosling's appeal is, but he definitely has it. He's obviously like a good-looking guy, but I'm not really sure what it is as an actor. He has like that quiet, brooding intensity that yeah. when he is happy and joyous, you're sort of swept up in that, too. I hate to bring this up, but Michelle Williams, it always seems like there's a halo of sadness around her after the Heath Ledger thing, which did have an impact on when they made this movie and where they made it. They made it closer to where she was living so that she could be with their daughter because they filmed it about, I don't know, a year after Heath Ledger died. Yeah, that's wild. Williams first got the script when she was 21 years old in 2002, and then Gosling committed four years later. But there was still no funding, and filming did not begin until 2009. C in France originally wanted to do the young and the old portions, like film those six years apart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he was unable to because of financing, and plus the producers were like, what the fuck? <laughs> this, <laughs> this is not is a viable project option. Yeah, maybe he, like he heard about, uh, yeah, Boyhood was in the mix at that time. But it's like, well, Linklater's had something going for a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this could be a complete failure. Yeah, I think if he would have tried to pull that off, it would have never been finished and just would have been this stupid thing. Yeah. At one point, he did consider just calling the movie Valentine and okay. not doing the breakup part. 
of the movie. Just oh, wow. the beginning part. I see. As the movie. Just about people falling in love. Okay. Not really sure if that would have been super memorable. Not as much, I would say. Unless it, it you know, it just looked like a Rihanna music video or something where it was like a lot of like Terrence Malicky and Skies narration or something. I will say the look of this movie is great. It's kind of got that raw documentary realism look to it. Oh, yeah, for sure. A lot of the film is improvised dialogue, and there was also crazy levels of preparation, especially for the older portion of the film. That is the weird thing about it when you you do read this stuff, and I watched a little bit of the, the making of where they talk about the script and being in love with this project, and then so much of it ends up being just improv. Yeah. You know, they just changed a bunch of it on the fly. I believe Gosling was more comfortable with that and was more open to that idea. It took a little more convincing for Michelle Williams to be on board for it. The two of them filmed the younger version where they're falling in love for three weeks. Then they rent this house together for a, a couple months. The actual house where the, the movie starts off, right? I guess. They yeah. bring their own clothes and belongings. That is weird. They spend time filming home movies. They buy groceries with now, a budget based on their characters' incomes. does seem just crazy. I mean, you're, you're Ryan Gosling. You're living with Michelle Williams for a month. Something's got to go down, right? <laughs> I mean, it just seems I don't like- think so. I think C and France would jump in and try to, like, spark different things to happen okay so there was a story under surveillance this whole time no i don't think so but i think he was like telling ryan gosling to go into her room and try to make love to her and oh my gosh and be rejected and then sleep on the couch and stuff i don't not not like force her to but just you know i don't know it definitely seems like a lot of actor bullshit i was sort of joking before we started recording that they did all the stuff for a movie (laughs) That didn't win any Oscars, yeah. and you know what? It just seemed like them. a lot of work for, yeah, improvised acting. But you know these people, they but take I guess it super yeah. seriously. Well, if you're an actor and you have all this money, it's just like, well, I I, I need a way to kind of make it seem like I'm doing something with my time. They also went to Sears and took a family portrait with the actress who played their daughter, who I think also may have stayed with them at various points. Okay, which seems completely insane. Yeah, but yeah. You know these Hollywood parents. I just, do offering up their child like the fucking Lion King. <laughs> That's like, right. Here, please take yeah, yeah. it. Do whatever you want. Seen France built tension off camera, which I alluded to, trying to set up situations, have them act out things without one would be thinking one thing and then he'd go and tell the other person like to do something else. They used mostly natural lighting for the entire film, except for a little bit outdoors, I think at the end or towards the end. One of the more interesting things, and I can vividly remember this from the time period, because this was when we were first working together. We were talking about movies a lot. This little news factoid popped up and was sort of a big deal because this movie had gotten a lot of buzz because it was a Weinstein ordeal. Blue Valentine was originally given an NC-17 rating by the MPAA. Yeah, I do remember this sparking a lot of conversation between us at the time. Yeah, because it just seems so shocking based on those trailers. Right, We're like, right. What about this could be NC-17? It seems crazy. Yeah, yeah. A female receiving oral sex is... Well, this we was also during the time of, like, Antichrist. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, yeah. <laughs> 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 like, it doesn't take a lot to understand what's NC-17 about that. You're like, I don't even know how that's legal. <laughs> and then you see the trailer for yeah, this, yeah. and you're like, this seems like a normal movie. I'm blown away. 
and it was due to a scene depicting Cunnilingus. Gosling accused the MPA of sexism and misogyny, stating, quote, there's plenty of oral sex scenes in a lot of movies where it's a man receiving I, I mean, it from he, a woman, and they're rated R. He's absolutely right about this. I, I have no idea what the MPA's issue with some of this stuff is. Ours is reversed, and somehow it's perceived as pornographic. The Weinstein Company appealed the decision and eventually won with the film now holding an R rating. So, off mic, you were saying Harvey Weinstein, not that bad, after all. <laughs> well, you know, fighting I appreciate his resiliency movie. fighting this MPAA board, you know. But you were talking out of both sides of your mouth because at the same time you were saying it's filthy to do that to a woman and it should be rated I'm like, uh Disgusting. Season one of The Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> or basically any gangster or rap-related thing. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I remember it being a conversation after we left the movie, too. Yeah. Because we were just like, how was that ever even in question? Yeah, you see a lot worse in other R-rated movies. Absolutely. Where it's almost, you don't, you don't even hear about it. I think part of it was probably, it's a first-time director, really. The stars aren't that big, so the MPA like puts their balls out on the table. Oh, being yeah. Like, we're in charge. Yeah. You, know, you can't do this. You can't. If it would have been like James Cameron or something, there's no way. Or Steven Spielberg. <laughs> They'd be like, this is PG if it's James Cameron. <laughs> whatever you want, you fill it in. Yeah. <laughs> do whatever you need. <laughs> when revisiting this movie now, and I believe this might be the first time I watched it since the theater. Maybe I watched it once on Blu-ray when it first came out, but I, I don't know. I, I, love I was the movie. horrified to be reminded that it's non-linear. Yeah. I was disgusted. I know, you <laughs> I know that. I know you had a hard time with that. But I, I love the movie, but it isn't something that I'm ever feeling like I just want to throw it on. You know? No. It's kind of like the Manchester by the Sea thing. I liked that movie, and there's parts of it that are like funny, but I mean, how many times do you really want to... I, I could world. see myself wanting to rewatch that more than this. I don't know what that means about me. Yeah, I can see that about you, too. <laughs> I can see you wanting to watch it. There's nothing in Manchester by the Sea that feels like it happened in my real life. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's like huge portions of this. I'm just like, oh. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. You're just embarrassed of yourself. <laughs> oh, God. So the movie takes place in rural Pennsylvania. I think yeah. originally he wanted to film it in California. Okay, yeah. And that was like off the table. Oh, I love the New York look and feel to this movie. I think that adds to it. Yeah, aesthetically not very dissimilar from The Place Beyond the Pines, especially like that opening with like the sound of right. the bugs and the yeah, insect, yeah. like the sounds of summer. It, it's just very reminiscent of The Place Beyond the Pines, which... I wish that title was shorter since we're referencing it so much. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it yeah. just feels annoying to have to keep saying that. We'll just call it Pines. Pines. <laughs> like we're fucking Chris Ryan or something. Oh, boy. The movie starts in present day. We meet Frankie, the couple's daughter. She's now five. Cindy, who's played by Michelle Williams, oh, is a right. nurse. I'm now having a memory of this, of being in the theater, because in the trailer... It's a lot of things cut together, but you're mostly seeing like the young versions of them. And Gosling, of course, is just looking dreamy as ever. And then when the movie opens up and, and you've never seen it before, that hairline is uh, yeah. its almost like shocking. You're like, what? <laughs> what is he, 45? I got out. I just like got up and left. <laughs> Immediate walkout. <laughs> I was like, no thanks. <laughs> I didn't sign up for this bullshit. <laughs> 
What am I going to jack off to? That? <laughs> Give me a break. Oh, man. Cindy's a nurse at a clinic while Dean, played by Gosling, paints houses while struggling with alcohol. <laughs> it's me. Um, yeah, I know. He's just such an embarrassment. He has paint all over him all the time. That hair is obviously embarrassing, and it's just yeah. Like, just you got to either shave your head or I don't know. You fi- figure where, out a different look. Toupee. Yeah, <laughs> that would actually be preferable to what we're looking at. <laughs> Which is funny because it was based off of what Derek C. in France looks like. I know it's it's like spot on. <laughs> There's a lot of this that one or two wrong turns in life, and we basically are this Dean guy. Oh yeah. Uh, but more specifically, we know people who have like lived this movie, and oh, that yeah. also hits home a little bit. We were texting a little bit about that. There's been a lot of times where a mistake could have been made in my life that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, could have sent me down this path. You you get caught up. Let's just say, you know, when you're young, you can get caught up in certain situations, thinking that it might be a good idea. Yeah, plus the drinking, though. Oh, yeah, I for know. You. A lot of problems there. Posting pictures of your beers on Instagram doesn't make you not an alcoholic, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Just because they have pretty cans doesn't mean you're any less of a drunk <laughs> and embarrassment. Yeah, I've, well, I've been trying to dial that back. You can tell pretty early on in this time period that there's a fair amount of tension in the house. And it's obvious from the start. This isn't quite the perfect my dream life that's kind of unfolded here. And I think this opening sequence with the the kid who adores her dad and how he interacts with, with the girl, Frankie, and he's basically just like another kid and how Cindy doesn't want to put up with that, that pretty much encapsulates why I don't really want to get married yeah. or have zero interest in it. I don't really want somebody to just tell me what to do, which is basically what she has to do. I'm not blaming her. Because there's plenty of blame for both of them oh, sure. that will be coming up throughout this episode. But she's yelling at him, basically, like, stop doing this, stop doing that. And it just sort of, like, oof, it makes me cringe. Because I know that she's not exactly wrong, but at the same time, it's just a situation that you yeah. want to avoid at all costs. I, it feels belittling in a way. One of the adults is treating the other one like a kid because they're acting like Oh, it, yeah, that's true. It's not that he doesn't deserve to be talked down to because he kind of d- does. They but... hit you over the head. I-, I will say it's not exactly like the most subtle thing ever. They're basically like Dean is never matured. Yeah. He's the same person that he was five years ago. And, and it turns out that's not cool. Yeah. Yeah. She... Signed up for something, assuming that they were both going to go on the same track, which is like, you know, normal ambition, normal growth, normal maturity. And he was like, I drink I'm beer at I this som- station. Yeah. He's like, I drink beer. I sometimes play instruments and I don't really have a real job. And then like that. Well, he just says stays later, like, I just want to be your husband and Frankie's dad. What's wrong with that? And she's decided that she would like a little bit more ambition yeah. and that's like a huge problem but it manifests itself early in the film where he's sort of goofing around when she's trying to rush to get ready for work and frankie looks up to her dad and just does whatever he's doing and so it makes it harder to control frankie in a way cindy's like don't you have to get ready for work <laughs> it's like, nope Cracking no work today <laughs> 
Cindy's boss, Dr. Feinberg, has offered her a job to join him at a different clinic in the near future. Yeah. She has yet to bring this up with Dean. Now, how quick were you to think that this dude was like sniffing around? Were you on to him early or not till the, not yeah. till the later scene? The first him? time you see him, yeah. there's a vibe. He's hovering, I feel like. He's, yeah. he's doing that hover move. Yeah. A big thing that happens early in the film is that the missing family dog is found dead by the side of the road, having escaped through a gate that Cindy Sad. left unlocked. Always a horrible thing for me. There is no movie where I enjoy the family dog dying. And she is late to Frankie's recital, and that's where she sort of breaks the news to Dean, who, <laughs> who can't... <laughs> Takes control. it out on yeah, her. Yeah, he can't yeah. control his anger. Even I told you just... to keep that fucking gate shut. <laughs> She's crying at the recital. Uh, You're like, oh... Mom? Dad? (laughs) I think I mentioned already that I did laugh a lot in watching this movie now because I think emotionally I'm more distant from it. Like time has passed and now you can just sort of like... If you're you're closer to it, there's a lot of cringe here. Yeah, it's still hard to watch the, the climax at the doctor's office later, but... All of this other stuff now sort of plays funny to me. I, I agree. I was having more fun with it, too. I'm more thinking like I'm somebody who's at the recital watching other people do this right. and just being like, oh, my God, like trash, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I think time and distance strips the romanticism away from these characters where you no longer think of them as cool and aspirational just because they're good-looking people. You now kind of see them for the embarrassing trash they are. And your heart does break for Frankie because it's like, oh. You know, we all knew kids at school whose parents would make scenes at events and stuff. And you're just like, oh, God. When Dean (laughs) is just wearing this shirt, this black shirt with an eagle on it. (laughs) And he's drunk all the time. Oh, I know. (laughs) It's basically like looking in a mirror. Oh, really? Yes. The hairline, the (laughs) drunkenness. Poof. At least he's skinny, though. The fashion sense. Yeah. They take Frankie over to Cindy's dad's house. His name's Jerry. He's played by John Doman, who played Rawls on The Wire. Yeah, it is like this thing where I wouldn't really call any like actor from The Wire by anything other than their character name on The Wire. Yeah, he's like, definitely Rawls. Yeah, he's Rawls. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Just a super <laughs> chill guy. Just an insane presence at family dinner. <laughs> he basically is the same as Rawls. Oh, yeah. In present day, he's got that oxygen tank. I always think it's weird, too, in movies. Minus a wife plus an oxygen tank. Well, yeah, but we haven't seen the flashbacks yet. I think it's weird in movies where they portray these characters as so near death. Just on death's door. Or they die, and it's supposed to be because they're old or whatever. And in this case, he's on the verge of death with this oxygen tank. And John Doman is still alive now. Oh, yeah. And it's 10 years later. I just always think that's weird. You know how, like... He doesn't really seem that old to me in this movie, though. Gene Hackman dies in Royal Tenenbaums at the end just because he's, like, old. Right. It's like, that movie's 20 years old. He just turned, like, (laughs) 90-something. He's still alive. Well, yeah. I know that people do die in their 70s or whatever, but I just find it weird, like, to be that person in the movie. And be like, oh, yeah, I'm dying now because I'm an old piece of shit. It is kind of crazy. And then live for 20 more years. Yeah, I know. But it is kind of crazy that Gene Hackman is still alive. Yeah. Just hasn't been in anything since Welcome to Mooseport. Yeah. With Ray Romano. That classic. That's the kind of stuff that we get, like, recommendations for the pod. (laughs) 
<laughs> if people only knew some of the things oh, yeah. that we've turned down. <laughs> After Cindy and Dean leave Frankie with Jerry, it's time for our first flashback in time. So basically, the movie takes place over two different time periods, when they first met six years prior, and yeah. then the present day, when things are falling apart. Yeah, and in the present day, it's like this plan to go away for one night to like this hotel, I guess, to try to... Well, yeah. I know, but I'm, it just is such a weird chain of events that is going on in this present day, because you're like, she's going to work the next day I thought she was going to work the next day either way, but then it seems like she gets called in earlier. No, she says she's going to be on call. Oh, on call. She okay. didn't want to go, though. Do you right. not remember that scene? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She didn't really want to do this. No, I know. Well, the first thing you notice in the flashback is the hairline difference. And pre-Cindy, Dean was a hopeless romantic, but also a high school dropout who gets a job working for a moving company. Yeah, and, and we like him early on. He's a good-hearted dude. The whole thing that he does for this Walter guy. Yeah. This is the first flashback, and it mostly focuses on Dean and him moving Walter into a nursing home. And he takes the time to put all of Walter's belongings out in a special way. He treats Walter, this old guy, with a lot of like dignity and respect. Walter seems pleased with it. And then it cuts off, like, right as Dean is seeing somebody. Like, he sees someone, like, is, like, reacting. He's, like, smiling. Yeah. And it then hard cuts to her in present day. Yeah, so what we're doing here is we're going to jump back and forth like the movie does, except for a few times where I just decided to, like, combine just things blow longer. past it, yeah. There's too many jumps back and forth, and there's not enough action sometimes to really make it worth it. Mm-hmm. Back in present day... <laughs> So the example is, now we're just immediately jumping back. Back in present day, they're burying the dog and Dean's not taking it well, weeping. Despite Cindy's reluctance, Dean insists on using a gift certificate for a room at a, quote, romantic motel. It seems weird that this exists. I, I Yeah, well, I think they exist. It's just... I'm sure that they do, but I still think it's weird. <laughs> You've never wanted to take a lady to a future room? Cupid's Cove or yeah. the future room? <laughs> well, I've certainly wanted to. <laughs> they were like, no thanks. Yeah. That's okay. <laughs> yeah, the whole plan here does reek of desperation. I think regardless of what Dean would we be gotta, willing to admit out loud, he I think he knows that they're in serious trouble at this they're point. They're in a uh, tailspin, and, and he's just like, all right, I got to try to pull out all the right moves to get it going again. <laughs> For some reason, that's going to this sex motel, as she calls it. Who got them this gift certificate? Rawls. He just opens up a card. Yeah. That had been like stuck to like a bulletin board or something. Something that 99% of the population, if they got something like that, would never use. <laughs> because <Yeah>. why would you? <laughs> Unless you were just completely insane or, or you were trash. Buffalo Bill or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's trying to rekindle something that may already have burned out it might be too late it seems like she's miserable it seems like they fight at the drop of a hat oh, for yeah. any it's reason it's nonstop yeah it's nonstop tension they can't really communicate in any way without it turning bad and <laughs> yeah. i think we all know what that feels like certainly that's kind of the dynamic of the show <laughs> <laughs> only when we do movies you pick yeah right because they're terrible that's true if no, you I'm pick kidding. you're full of joy <laughs> I'm just joking. I like this movie. I'm okay. 
let's wait. Dude, and what see am I weeping over here? To Letterboxd, who's gonna have higher stars for this? <laughs> <laughs> Cut to me putting like a half star yeah, review right. up. I mean, like, fuck this piece of shit. <laughs> no, it's not that I don't like this movie. It's just that it's hard to deal with. It is. Although now, like I said, I think its reputation in my mind as being hard to deal with was like way built up. Yeah. I don't think it's really that dark. <laughs> I think it's more like this is normal. True to life. Yeah, this is just everyday life. Most people live it. Just throwing your wedding ring out into a field. <laughs> well, I said to you yeah. when we were talking about this, I've definitely thrown some things in a field. <laughs> Being like, go get it. <laughs> Oof. Yeah. Yeah, it is crazy how similar some of the scenes are in this movie to my life. <laughs> Yeah, I know the what you recital. Mean. Yeah. I told you to close the fucking gate. <laughs> Burying my dog in a yard. Oh no. <laughs> this is actually kind of funny. <laughs> they stop at a liquor store for supplies for this, and it's like she's buying like several bottles. Are they both alcoholic? Yeah, I think so. She gets drunk definitely at this hotel. Yeah. I mean, I think she's got to do something to Dull deal with living with this fucking piece of trash. Yeah, her frustrations will become clearer as the movie goes. Yeah. Will you start to understand but, like, what she sacrificed in life? But the, it's not Dean's fault. And the way like this sequence plays out, they're kind of okay here for like she's kind of oh, It seems like she's going to give it a shot this weekend thing, you know, or this They're okay this at thing. various points at the hotel, too. Yeah, it, yeah. it sort of just like goes back and forth, which I do think is also pretty true to life. It's not like if it started from minute one, just nonstop like non-stop each fight, throats. It would be like Marriage Story. <laughs> We're just like, all right, we get it. <laughs> so they stop by this liquor store, and Cindy has an awkward encounter running into Bobby, who we as the audience don't know yet, but they're talking about Cindy being married. And almost right away, Bobby's like, Have you been faithful to him? Which what? is insane. She reacts appropriately to because she's like, That's such a weird thing to say to someone that you haven't seen in such a long time. And we're all like, Yeah. What a move. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if this is just some crazy mind game or he's like trying to, you know, <laughs> plant a seed here, but it is nuts that he would just go right to that. He's wearing a hat that says number one dad, too, which I think is yeah. ironic later when we find out I, I agree. what's going yeah. on. Do you get the sense that Dean is not the number one dad? I don't even know if he's in the top ten. Yeah. <laughs> You're never going to guess who I saw at the liquor mart. Richard Rico. No, but good guess. John Bon Jovi. Bobby Ontario. What was he doing there? I don't know. I mean, buying liquor, I guess. How come you're just telling me now? I'm Because I'm telling you now. How come you didn't tell me when we were, when we were there? I don't know, because I was flustered, and I'm telling you now. You talked then? No, I mean, like, hi, bye, how are you? Fine, good, how are you? How are you? Yeah, he asked me how I was. And you told him? I, I mean, I didn't want to, but we were just, we were stuck there. We were in the same store, buying things together at the same time. I wish you'd seen him. I wish you you wouldn't feel so bad. He's fat. Why care? 
I don't know. I don't care if he's fat or not. What does that mean? Make me feel better? I don't better. know, because he's a loser. What does that have to do with me? Whether he's a loser or he's fat or not, what the fuck do I care? I don't, what? What are you saying that for? That would make me feel better, he's fat. So what, if he was in good shape, I shouldn't, then I wouldn't feel, I shouldn't I feel good? I said the wrong thing, I'm nervous, okay? What do you mean you're nervous? I feel, because you, because you feel funny. You're nervous because I feel funny? What does yes, that mean? I feel like I said the wrong thing. I feel like I shouldn't have said anything. Really? That's an option? You run into Bobby Ontario and that's an, and it's an, an option not to tell me? I feel like you're upset and I upset you and I'm sorry. And I said the wrong thing. Cindy tells Dean about this encounter. Not the specifics, though. She doesn't say that he asked. Thank it. God. Yeah, because just the mention of seeing this guy is like enough to send him, you know, over the edge. It causes an argument because they're at the point now where everything is an argument. And then she gets out of the car and runs behind those trees. Is she having a panic attack? I don't know. It seems like I get the sense that seeing this dude really like shook her, you know, because it's just Mm. something that she hasn't thought about in a long time. I thought it was more just her not being able to deal with Dean. Well, what's going on with her, like, having to lie to him about, like, how he's fat now and stuff? Why would she even bring that up? I because guess she knows that Dean down. is, like, a child. Yeah. And he's, like, flipping out. <laughs> She's trying to guess what will work, and it's right. making it worse because <laughs> he takes everything she says as an indication that he needs to be coddled. Even yeah. though he does, but he's seeing through the coddling and being like, why would I need to hear that what difference does that make to me? Oh, As yeah. if it's a competition between him and Bob. You know what I mean? Like, right. He doesn't want to hear. <laughs> She's in like a no-win situation. Absolutely. Where she does say, like, Don't bring it I up. wish that I didn't bring it yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which would have been the right move. <laughs> so we see her flashback now, and in it we learn that Bobby is Cindy's ex-boyfriend. They were together when she was an aspiring doctor studying pre-med. So right away, just that whole setup, we're like, well, she's oh. not a doctor, so clearly things went awry. Yeah, yeah. And obviously her sacrifices and her disappointments in life play a big part in who she is now and reckoning with the life that she has. Cindy comes from a not-so-great family situation. Mom and Dad's relationship... Rocky at best. ...is a nightmare. <laughs> I mean, it is insane the little snapshot we get where you're like jesus christ yeah i mean rawls is like an over-the-top insane person (laughs) you have that terrible relationship and then you have grandma talking about never really being in love yeah ever it's a whole mess that's just like a dark conversation her dad flipping out about the dinner when he's like you mean we got to eat this shit? And he like throws it. That's like me reacting about Matt's picks for the podcast. <laughs> you mean we got to watch this shit? But it, I mean, what a villain he is. Oh, it's can, so over the top. Can you just imagine a person just being that mean? Oh, I can imagine. I know, it, but, but it's, it's holy shit. It comes off as funny only because A, I'm fucked up. And B, <laughs> it's only that one minute that one time that it's like really bad i mean he's like sort of tense after that 
but you just have that one explosion out of nowhere. You're like, what? There's no indication of this in the movie, but it had me wondering, like, is there an alcohol problem with him? Because it seems like when he's older, he seems like so much more like toned down and normal. Like there's been well, some I think sort of because change. he's like dependent now because as you pointed out, well, we haven't gotten to it yet, yeah. but you pointed out before we started recording, the wife doesn't seem to be in the picture in modern day. Right. And so he's very alone and he seems to have like a health problem with the oxygen tank. Yeah. So he probably relies on Cindy a lot. And if he fucks it up with Cindy, he's not going to see his granddaughter, it, you know? Yeah, sure. Okay. He's it probably, a, he's probably yeah. terrified of being left alone. So he has to be nicer and maybe the wife leaving or killing herself or whatever. Yeah, whatever we happened. don't know. That's true. Anything is possible. Maybe with that her. was a wake up call. I'm not sure. Yeah. It's, it's wild. I think when we first saw this movie back in 2011, we speculated a lot about different things we were thinking about could have happened, but they don't show. I think it leaves it open-ended where you could, is he physically abusive to the wife or is it just the yelling and the throwing things and carrying on? Or, you know, is he physically abusive to Cindy? We don't really get like an indication of that. There's just, there is a darkness there. Something is wrong. Yeah, you would hope that if that was the case, like, why would she still be talking to him? But, you know, that does happen. I don't know. There's a lot to speculate on because, like I said, you just see that one insane explosion at dinner in the flashback. Right. And then you're left wondering yeah. what that's all about. Maybe, maybe we just saw him at his worst, you know, and it's not a, <laughs> not every dinner is like this. <laughs> I don't know if that would be the point of the movie, though. I think they want to give you, yeah, you yeah. know, the explanation. That's right. We see Bobby raw-dogging it, and then he shoots inside without her consent. This will be the thing that actually ends up causing the two of them to break up, although it takes a while to actually see that happen. She's super pissed about it, but then yeah. it takes a while to actually see Bobby in the flashbacks again. I totally, of course, understand her reaction to this. Well, he was a dick anyway. Yeah. We well, sort of got that vibe that's that he true. was sort of like a douchebag. Yeah, yeah. It's the dude from, but, like, she's out of my league that's and right. a few other things. But he was definitely obsessed with her because he carries this on after a while. I never swear to girl. Oh, I know. Holy but shit. But you're a fucking bitch. <laughs> God, that was also good. I closed the home. <laughs> yeah. Folks, we're just joking. Yeah. I, I never did it, but I, I knew of some dudes that left some voicemails before on answering machines that were uh, pretty no wild. Yeah. <laughs> no comment. Cindy is then spending time with Grandma in a nursing home where she meets Dean, who has just gotten done moving in Walter. He gives her his number, which is not actually his number. It's actually the number for the company. Because there is no number to call him at. Yeah, they never really show this during the flashbacks, but what was, where was Dean living and what was it that It can't like? be great. It, it cannot be great. But it must be really great to look like Ryan Gosling. I would agree with that. I would yeah. say most guys, if they had no real phone or no real address or anything, there wouldn't be much of a shot didn't here. Didn't graduate high school. It just seems like no chance, but it's Ryan Gosling. Yeah. So back in the present, they arrive at this motel and they have selected the future room. Yeah. Which is a space robot metallic looking thing. It's very cold. You never really get a full like look at it, it's, so it makes it even weirder. It's disorienting, kind of, isn't there's it? There's a lot like, of mirrors and metal and stuff. N- no windows. And they're so miserable, especially Cindy. 
she's just not it feels very into it anymore. I, I think it's intentional it feels very claustrophobic yeah in there which i think is adding to the tension she immediately takes a shower he jumps into the shower with her he tries to go down on her it's so pathetic because she she's giving him the come up she just keeps yeah. saying come up come yeah, up come on oof yeah brutal <laughs> and when i was re-watching this i was like that can't be the scene <laughs> i was like that cannot be the i know scene. and it had it's never so fast and it, you, it's like you don't see anything it had never crossed my mind really that this was the scene at all and then but this time watching it, i was like oh that's weird there's actually two scenes i guess well, i didn't one, remember there was another one one is an attempt i guess more so <laughs> than a an act dean puts on the song you and me which we talked about earlier and they do dance together and seem to enjoy it this is like their song that's right their special song yeah, I need that. Why don't you do something? What do you mean? I don't know. What does that mean? Why don't I, I don't do know. something? I mean, isn't there something you wanted to do? There's something you want to do? Like when? I don't know. You're so good at so many things. You could do anything you wanted to do. You're good at everything that you do. Isn't there something else you want to do? Then what? Then be your husband? To be Frankie's dad? What do you want me to do? What, 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 in your like dream scenario of me like doing what I'm good at, what would that be? I don't know. I just mean you're so good at so many things. You can do so many things. You have such capacity. For what? I don't, you can sing. You can draw. You can... <clears throat> <laughs> Dance. Listen, I didn't want to be somebody's husband, okay? And I didn't want to be somebody's dad. That wasn't my goal in life. Some guys it is. It wasn't mine. But somehow, I've. it was what I wanted. I didn't know that. And that's all I want to do. I don't want to do anything else. That's what I want to do. I work so I can do that. I'd like to see you have a job where you don't have to start drinking at 8 o'clock in the morning to go to it. No, I have a job that I can drink at 8 o'clock in the morning. What a luxury, you know? I get up from work, I have a beer, I go to work, I paint somebody's house, they're excited about it, I come home, I get to be with you. What's, like, this is the dream. It doesn't ever disappoint you? Why? Why would it disappoint me? I could still do whatever potential? I could do. So what? Why do you have to fucking make money off your potential? Look, I'm not even saying you have to make what money does potential off potential. What does even potential mean? What does that mean, potential? Potential for what? To turn it into what? But then they have dinner, and then an argument erupts because of Dean's lack of ambition. Yeah. And these scenes... Because of the improvisation and everything, they do have like a very Cassavetes vibe, which might be a reference that not everyone gets. But John Cassavetes made these movies mostly in the 70s that have like these sort of very up close and in your face style with right. the film. And they feel almost like shaky handheld. And yeah, and I think that he had like a lot of like gritty realism with, yeah, especially like relationship stuff. Yeah, and there was a lot of improv, improvised yeah. fighting and yelling and carrying on. Right. And that's what a lot of these scenes remind me of. And they are two very strong performances. It's kind of surprising Gosling didn't get nominated for an Oscar. He did get nominated for a Golden Globe, though, which means nothing, really. 
<laughs> I think we've yeah. been nominated for some Golden Globes, <laughs> honestly. We just didn't have the money to buy them, buy the wins. They make up and get drunk, and so things are temporarily better. But then Dean starts talking about having another baby. Oh, boy. <laughs> and it gets weird and tense. And yeah. Doesn't he- seem like something she's really that into. Were you getting that? Yeah, and she's not really into the sex part either because he seems to want loving, tender sex, and she's being rough and detached and almost like begging him to hit her, which at first I was like trying to tie that in with yeah, like a play past like armchair psychiatrist yeah. and like does she is she into this kind of stuff because of some situation with her dad because is that what you know I'm thinking is that why we saw her dad being so crazy and violent yeah. I don't really think that's the case. I think it's more showing you what she came from and her background, and we'll hear about what Dean's sure. background is later. I think she's just doing this to be a bitch because she knows that it's going to just upset him. Right. Not that he's actually going to play along and ever get rough with her or anything. She just knows that he's like into a very tender, loving thing, and she's not going to do that. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> It turns into yet another fight, and she locks him outside of the bedroom area of Future Room, which is weird because how many little rooms in this place are there? You can't even really tell. It's such a weird setup. It doesn't really seem like a motel room. No. Like I said, I fully believe that places like this exist, but it just seems weird that it does. Well, it definitely seems weird that they would have a room like this room. Right. I've definitely seen in other movies and stuff like themed rooms. Sure. They're usually okay. like the heart shaped bed. Fire truck. Yeah. Heart throbs or something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Heart shaped beds, heart shaped jacuzzis, right. tropical room, whatever. Future room don't really know what the appeal of that would be other than they do have a spinning bed. Which seems fun. I kinda just want to I think that. I would throw up. <laughs> it's like it's spinning so slow. <laughs> Cut to me like vomiting in the corner <laughs> Violently, for like, four hours. Yeah. <laughs> the prostitute that I've paid to be there with me just <laughs> rolling her eyes. <laughs> oh god. We've really crossed some lines in this episode. Sure. <laughs> this episode's gotten wild. In the past, Cindy has now ended things with Bobby over what happened. For some reason, Matt doesn't think that that's worthy of a breakup. I don't know. I mean, is it, is she not thinking to herself, maybe it was an accident? Oh, it definitely was not an accident. <laughs> yeah. Which is weird because I'm sure she would have told him, like, I don't want you to come in me because I don't want to get pregnant. I'm not on anything. Yeah. And then he just does it anyway. That is just right. like, well, that's okay. So we missed a scene. Insane mindset yeah. to be like, I'm just going to like come in this. Oh, trip. I know. Like, it's... Who thinks like that? Yeah. Who wants to have a baby? I I don't know. It's certainly far from where my mindset would have been at and still is. Dean is still hung up on love at first sight, and he's still thinking about Cindy, who has never called him after their meeting at the nursing home. He doesn't even know her name at this point, but he's always talking about her and sort of crossing into creepiness, finding a reason to go back to that nursing home. and And it seems like a hike from the city. Yeah. I mean, he has to take like a bus there the second time because the first time he's riding the truck for work. He's already building the fantasy in his head, though, which I think is sort of something you can look past when you watch it. But then when you think about it. As much as I hate the uh, older version of the Gosling character, Dean, 
this younger version, I'm like so in on these moves. <laughs> this yeah, whole, but this like, is the, his mistake. Is what I I'm know. Saying. This is part of the reason why they're not really made for each other. Is he was all already building up who she was before he even knew her. Well, really. I think we're all kind of guilty of oh that. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> <laughs> and then something you're hanging on to that fantasy yeah. version, even though you know it's not real. <laughs> You've had the reality slap you in the face oh, yeah. countless times, right. and you're just like still believing it could happen that way. Oh yes. So he's on this quest. He goes to the nursing home. Walter has died. Cindy's Bummer. grandma doesn't really. Yeah, who's Walter? Know what's going on, but she's willing to spill the beans about Cindy. Doesn't seem to have any problem giving out her information. That's right. And then they have a chance encounter on a bus. Now, what did you think about this meeting on the bus and Cindy's child molester joke? I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> So there's a child molester and a little boy walking into the woods. Child molester and the little boy keep walking further and further and it's getting darker and darker and they're going deeper and deeper into the woods and the child molester, the little boy looks up at the child molester and he says, gee, mister, I'm getting scared. And the child molester looks down at him and says, you think you're scared, kid? I got to walk out of here alone. Uh, Dean acts like it's a terrible joke. I was like, that's a great joke. Yeah, it was funny. It made me laugh. <laughs> Especially if a hot I, chick so, it, tells that joke. It is weird because <laughs> Dean seems like so much more of a normal person with charm in these early scenes. Yeah, it, I will it, say he that... He seems like a different person later on almost. Yeah, I would say that one of the weaknesses of the movie is his downfall is not fully developed or explained yeah. very well. I guess you could just say he's he became an alcoholic and that's what's taking away his charm and and makes him just sort of given up on life yeah because he's charming in this scene but he's like the way he interacts with everybody he kind of has this affable you know presence yeah even showing up you kind of get the sense that her dad kind of likes him at the first meeting as much as Rawls is gonna like anybody (laughs) yeah I don't know I actually think the movie is a lot more balanced and fair about who is to blame or not to blame yeah Unlike a marriage story, for example, I know I keep going back to it, but I do think that it's possible you could read it that she has sort of given into this bitterness because life didn't happen the way she wanted her life to be, and that's worn him down, so it's her fault. But you could also look at it like he has no ambition and he's just a loser and it wore her down, so he's at fault. I think you could look at it both ways. I think there's some mutual resentment there. And so they have this one perfect night where they first meet each other and they're hanging out and they get ice cream in a scene that's reminiscent of The Place Beyond the Pines. That's true. He plays the ukulele and she tap dances. Yeah, straight from the uh, trailer. Uh, One of the the, more memorable sequences in the movie. I think Gosling and Williams were actually unaware of what the other's talent was going to be. Yeah, that's in the the making of To make that feel spontaneous. Yeah. And and I guess it works out. You got any, like, talents? Like hidden talents? Uh, Washington Adams, Jefferson Madison, Monroe Adams, Jackson Van Buren, Harrison Tyler, Pumpkin Taylor. It's all the presents. Fillmore, Pierce Buchanan, Lincoln Johnson, Grant and Hayes, Garfield, Arthur, Cleveland, Harrison, Cleveland, McKinley, Roosevelt, Taft, Wilson, Hardin, Colchuver, Franklin, Roosevelt, Harry S. Truman, Dwight D. Eisenhower, John F. Kennedy, Lyndon Johnson, Jim Nixon, Ford Carter, Rankin Bush, Clinton Bush. 
That was rad. Can you dance? You can tap dance? Can you? No. Here. I'll play a song and you dance. Okay. Come here. Come here like this. Right here behind the heart, in front of the heart. Okay. I can't really sing. I have to sing goofy in order to sing. Like, I have to sing stupid. Okay? Okay. to this part. And if I were old, your heart last night, it's because contrasted now against the darkest days of their disintegrating marriage in present day they shot all of the lovey-dovey stuff in a couple of weeks and it has that home movies feel there's a lot of shaky cam yeah handheld camera stuff going on here and when dean goes down on her this time when you compare that to the modern day incident oh yeah that in and of itself is like a microcosm of their whole relationship that's true there's no tapping on the shoulder. Like, oh, come no, up, no. Come up. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Cindy discovers she is pregnant, and Dean forces her to tell him what's up because she's sort of acting strange, and she admits that he is unlikely to be the father. This is still in the past, by the way, in case people were confused. We're back in happening. the past, yeah. She opts for an abortion, and this scene is very uncomfortable from top to bottom. Absolutely. First you have so cold. her sexual history just laid bare in front of this woman. This yeah, nurse. we're all like, oh, okay. This is interesting. And I get that this is part of how it works and just how things go. And, I, you know, I don't, I'm not making any big commentary on the medical profession or abortions or, or anything, but it does seem like there's this... You think there's some judgment going on here? Yeah, well, no, no, but not necessarily, because I'm, I'm sure to these people it's all day, every oh, day. Yeah, 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 there yeah, is I'm that sure accompanying shame. And there shouldn't be, because everybody has sex, everybody loses their virginity at at whatever age. I will say, like... She's like, how many sexual partners? And, you know, she's like, I don't know, 25? Then there's just like, honey. (laughs) Well, that part didn't really faze me. I was like 13. Oh, yeah. 
but I, I believe that to be very true to life with a lot of girls. Unfortunately, I think that, you know, they get pressured into stuff, but it is hard to hear. You're just sort of like, oof, that's rough. Right. Yeah, it's a rough scene. And then the procedure starts. I will say this pretty cool facial hair on this gynecologist. Did you notice this? No. He's got like, I, I <laughs> pretty cool facial hair. He's got like white beard, kind of like a soul patch thing. Going really? On. Yeah. Ooh. That's yeah. wild. Yeah, he's horrible. <laughs> she stops the procedure and changes her mind. And it's like this very emotional scene. She comes out into the waiting room. Dean is there. Doctor still slips her that bill, though, on the way out. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. It's like, that's a tough outing. I'm glad you uh, changed your mind. That's great. But here, here honey. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be $2,000. Right. <laughs> Dean comforts and reassures her. By the way, this is like their second date. <laughs> it seems like it, yeah, yeah. That he wants to raise the child together and be a family. And they're both telling each other that they love each other on the bus. She's like sitting in his arms. Which, imagine if you're just another person on that bus and you're seeing this happening. Yeah, get a room, people. You're like pulling the thing to stop. Yeah. Like, please let me off here. A couple of things become crystal clear, though, this deep into the movie. First of all, the sudden nature of what their future is just right there. It's decided. And like you said, it, it might very well be like the second date. I know. know. Yeah. It's, well, we're getting married. And now you realize kid. where some of the problems are coming. Oh, from. Oh yeah. And the second thing, which I remember sort of being jarring to me because I guess I'm an idiot and I didn't really think about things. Obviously when Bobby comes inside of her and then that whole thing starts playing out, I'm like, okay, but then she's like, oh, I'm going to get an abortion. I'm like, okay. And then now, after this, she doesn't ha- do it. And now this whole thing. And you realize it's dawning on you that Frankie is not his daughter. That's right. And you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah. And obviously, this is a sore subject for Dean. He doesn't make that- a big deal about it. And it doesn't like overhang in Frankie's life. See, but- that's why going back to that car scene where she goes into the woods. and she- I-, I just feel like it's like this secret. She has a kid with this dude that doesn't know that's why i was feeling like she was kind of like shaken after seeing him yeah that's possible okay bobby ends up showing up at dean's work with some of his buddies and violently assaults dean pretty cool move to show up with two dudes just in um, case you aren't gonna win i I, i've been in a scenario (laughs) where three dudes it was of course over a girl but it was my ex-girlfriend the dude that wanted to beat me up was the new dude oh yeah i've had that exact thing happen and, 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 and i'm just like two, I, two friends yeah well, you're always just like i've moved on with like I, yeah right, right. And i had broken up with the girl well in this scenario i when they f- like found me and approached me i was with a girl we were outside sitting having i know and you're it's always just like you don't even know what to do because you're like guys you're embarrassing uh, yeah, <laughs> like that, you almost want to be like guys that's whatever you're doing what, i don't I don't ended up be happening this. in this situation, and th- they just ended up leaving. <laughs> but, like, I, I don't know. I, there very well could have been a situation where I was beat up. <laughs> but Yeah, I was never, like, actually afraid of being beat up or anything. But, yeah, I've had, like, the exact things where you're just sort of like, I've moved. I'm, like, obsessed with some other girl, and it's turned into a nightmare. I've already moved on to some other yeah. nightmare, okay? Well, I don't whole, even want to have anything to do with this. When I was uh, approached by the three dudes, and I think, to be fair, the, I do think the other two were just like, this is stupid. I think it was just like the How one How old dude. were you when this was happening? 19? Yeah, I was like well into my 20s when yeah, yeah, this yeah. is happening. And I'm like, right. guys, if we get into a fight outside of a bar, we're going to get arrested. Well, that, that was the thing. This isn't like high school. 
they're like, well, let's go somewhere and fight. And I'm like, no. To the I, track? I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? That doesn't sound fun at all. Yeah, because then you're like, all right, you're well, you're involved with some other girl, and you're like, well, how do you explain it to her? And it's I'm like, like, I'm fighting over some other girl. What? Now? Why do you? I, why do I want to fight? I'm not mad. <laughs> oh, I know. That's what I mean. Like, I broke up with this other girl, and now like, yeah, I'm supposed to be dragged. Like, I don't care that you're dating. Or like, so what? Oh, I know. Yeah. <laughs> like, what does that have to do with me? Uh, I know it is weird. You you don't miss that time. There period was of other life. factors. Which oh, sure, I didn't sure. Consider until later, but well, I think there always are. I think. Things, certain things can just get like said by other people. Things yeah, well, spiral. there was like a history with me and this dude where we used to be friends, but it was like unrelated. Like the reason we weren't friends anymore was unrelated to this. So it did seem yeah. weird. But he I didn't know that you just stopped being friends with people. I figured, yeah, I figured out later. I was like, oh, he's probably like mad that I don't want to be like friends with him anymore. Unrelated to this. Yeah. Because that happened like earlier. Right. Yeah, I definitely had like a lot of friends where I was just like, I'm not friends with these people anymore, and they just never wanted to talk to them. Yeah, again. Like it happened a lot. Right. <laughs> well, people are like, how have you been friends with Matt so long? I was like, well, we're not. We're we're coworkers. We do the show. At this point, we have like separate tour buses. I yeah. mean, the only time we talk is on stage. That's right. Yeah. The set list is what, as soon as the mics our... turn off, we, I, like I leave in silence. <laughs> yeah. Everything is agreed upon through our agents. Yeah. Like, we don't communicate <laughs> off mic at all. <laughs> Back to the future room. Oh, I like how you said that. Yeah. Early in the morning, Cindy in the motel bed. Dean still locked out of that little room area. Yeah. I have to say, most of the movie in the present, I totally am siding with Cindy. I do think this is an insanely bitchy move. That she leaves him here. Oh, yeah. You I can mean, this see, is I can see crazy. myself getting furious oh, yeah. at the same like, incident. What are you supposed to do? If yeah, you're, thanks if, for the note. We have one car. Yeah, and we're she two already hours said, from yeah, home. it was like far yeah. away. Wake me up. Yeah. I know. It's an insane decision here. So she gets called into work. She was on call, which she did say when she didn't want to go to this place in the first place. Okay. She takes the car and leaves a note for Dean. And then when Dean wakes up, he starts putting together a nice little drunk. By the way, wakes up six hours later because she's getting called into work at like six in the morning or something. He gets the wake up call in the room. It's 11 a.m. Yeah. That's awesome. If I don't have set my alarm, I usually sleep until like 11. Oh, really? If I don't set my alarm, I wake up at like 430 in the morning. <laughs> I wake up before my alarm would go off. I'm usually not going to bed until like four in the morning. Yeah. Unless it's a work night. Then it's like two, <laughs> two thirty. At the clinic, Cindy's boss suggests that she get an apartment in the area of this new clinic instead of moving her whole family, saying they could keep each other company during the lonely weekdays of this proposed arrangement. In other words, she would live in the apartment during the week and then go home on the weekends. I love how... I mean, I, I can't imagine she's making that much money at this place. Uh, enough yeah. to be like, hey... Ruin your life for this. Yeah, I know. Have zero normal life now. Don't be with your daughter five days of the week. Like, this is a crazy pitch. And you want to know what's even crazier? When she's like putting this together, which doesn't take long. Yeah. You know, as to what this guy's motivations are. I feel like not even an attempt at an excuse by him. He doesn't even really attempt to be like, oh, well, no, I meant. <laughs> well, no, he does say, like, oh, I. 
he like stammers he say, through right, something. but he doesn't actually really say like anything. Yeah, <laughs> it's just great. It's just like yeah, you're on to me. <laughs> the whole thing is disturbing to Cindy. She thought he had offered her the position because she was actually good at her job, not because he wanted to fuck her. Yeah, but clearly he wanted to fuck her. Yep. So. That always throws a weird curveball into the end of this movie, and I'm wondering why do this? Is it to make the audience side with Dean a little more than they would? Because after what Dean does here, if you didn't have any other explanations about anything else, you would be like 100% on Cindy's side. Being Absolutely. Like, this is insane what he does. And are you supposed to take it... I don't know. The whole thing where Dean's making comments about... The, the doctor emailing yeah. her. Maybe there was a little something going on, even if innocent. Oh, on her part? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, the way she reacts. I, I know. It does seem so. completely genuine, yeah. Or I guess that's the thing. Dean always knew <laughs> that this guy was sniffing around. It's just she didn't. Yeah, guys always know. Yeah, that's right. Because because we're guys. We know what we do. <laughs> this guy doesn't want you, his best nurse, to just <laughs> move with him. So Dean shows up at the doctor's office. He's completely drunk. The other nurse working there is like, oh, you must be Dean in like a very condescending way. I'd recognize that black shirt with an eagle on it from (laughs) a mile away. So right away, away, he's like, what the fuck? Clearly, Cindy's been talking about him at work. I think it's strange that he's never met them. They don't even know what he looks like. That's wild. I guess maybe she's embarrassed of that hairline. Has there been some memes in your life? You know, just the the bystander friend girl that's just like disgusted with you, even though she barely. Yeah, knows but they've you. all met me though. <laughs> I don't know that there was ever someone yeah. that didn't know who I was, and then I like showed up, and it was a, like that kind of a thing. Yeah, but you do get the sense that it's like Cindy has really been just not painting a nice portrait of Dean ever. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Regardless of what happens in this movie. It was over anyway. Yeah. I mean, this whole incident that we're going to talk about here in a second leads to her screaming, I want a divorce, but it doesn't matter. It didn't matter if this ever happened. It was yeah. going to get to that point anyway. Right, right. This is just the big final moment. The catalyst for a divorce. They have this heat escalating argument. It starts in the waiting room. It goes into the parking lot. Oh, it spilled back into back the inside. doctor's office. Yeah. The other nurse is getting involved. Then Dr. Feinberg comes out. They're screaming at each other. I'm done being angry like this. I'm done having you drunk like this. I'm done. Don't 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 close that door. I'm closing the door. Don't. Don't talk like that. Mimi. Hey, don't talk to me. You okay? Mimi, you know what? We're going to take a little minute. We're just going to take a second. You know what? This is why I don't talk to you. You go from here to here. No No time at all. This is why you talk to me. Because I'm here. This is the only reason you're talking to me. You fucking asshole. I'm a fucking asshole. You're a fucking asshole. You can call me stupid. I'm so out of love with you. I've got nothing left for you. Nothing. 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 There is nothing here for you. There is nothing here for you. I don't don't love you. Say stuff. I don't I don't Don't say you stuff you can't it. take back. You fucking asked for it. You asked me. You asked me. I, I talked to you. you crazy I talked to you. you. I gave you the goddamn answer you and me? you don't like it. That's why I don't fucking talk me? to you. you no, I'm not going to hit you. You're the bad guy, not me, asshole. I'm the bad guy. Yeah, asshole. Okay. Fuck you. Okay. Fuck you. Yeah, I'm more man than you are, you fucking cunt. I am. I am. I can handle it. Being a man. What is that? Yeah, well, what does it even mean? What is it? What does it mean? What does it mean to be a man? You're scaring us. 
Don't say it. Don't say that stuff. Be a man. What is that shit? I mean, don't. I'll be a man. You want me to be a man? Here you go. Stop it. Stop I'm gonna hit you in five seconds. Get out of here. I'm gonna hit you in five seconds. Mimi, call the cops. They're coming. Mimi, will you take it easy? Get out. Take it out, my friend. Think about your wife, will you? Oh my god. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I do love, though, like when he goes into the back area and that. Mimi or whatever is trying to like calm him down. He's just, he's like, we're gonna take a second. <laughs> we're gonna take a second. And he just like locks himself in that room with Cindy. Yeah, there's just some hilarious moments. There's some moments that are like so hard to watch because it's so embarrassing. I think when he gets physical with the doctor, I'm just like, oh my god. <laughs> like, but that's the thing though. We know that the dude's a creep, and so you almost feel like kind of like fuck you up a like, little justified face yeah especially when he starts yelling about the emails and stuff imagine being a patient in that waiting room that would actually just, be great yeah i'd be like this is unbelievable yeah i wish i could go to the doctors every day <laughs> the thing though that i wanted to get to okay so let's tie a bow on here so dr feinberg gets involved dean punches dr feinberg who then fires cindy on the spot and then kicks them out yeah so wait a minute is this kind of a like Feinberg is recognizing this as a, a way to get himself yeah, out of an awkward I think that's moment. what I was getting to. Yeah. I still feel like this is a huge risk on his part to just fire her like this. I agree. I feel this like seems like a civil suit. Something is going to happen here, especially since there's those emails. Oh yeah. <laughs> it just seems like she could definitely sue him big time, but they don't really ever, you know, the movie's not that type of movie. Well, so I, I, it, during the incident, you know, they're like, call the cops. The cops are on their way or whatever. But then they do just leave. I mean, I guess that's yeah, not to say I mean, the cops it, won't come. And then, yeah, like, go it's, to his it's house possible that if Feinberg's going to press charges. Although, again, it's like, how far does he want to take it? It seems like she's got an ace now. Yeah. I mean, granted, she's not really on Dean's side. But if Feinberg's going to drag this out into something, it just doesn't seem worth the risk after you've done that kind of a deal. That's right. Although I this was agree. pre Me Too, I don't know. I mean, this shit happened probably all the time, and a lot of times nothing would ever come of it. So yeah. I don't know. In the parking lot, Cindy screams that she wants a divorce. So Dean takes his wedding ring off and throws it into some high weeds and then gets in the car and then immediately regrets it and opens the car door <laughs> and starts looking in the weeds. Yeah. Through all everything else, it's like she kind of like stops and is like yeah, helping him look. Yeah, it's this poignant little moment where they both end up looking for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it's tough. So we go back to the past one last time when Dean meets Cindy's family for the first time and he talks about coming from a broken family. That's right. This part really jumped out to me on this viewing because he's talking about well, first, of all, he he talks about his dad, who's a janitor, but like was this great musician. And you're kind of like, okay, well, yeah, you know, there's a little place beyond the pines. 
vibe here of like following in your father's footsteps. Right. But then he talks about his mom who left. Right. And like the camera pans over to Michelle Williams' mom, and it's almost like she's having this epiphany. Huh. That's an option yeah. moment. It's a weird scene because they're like really grilling him for some reason. And he, you know, are you a high school graduate? Yeah, yeah. Which I've never been asked by any girls. Because people just know that you're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's a weird thing. It seems like out of another time or something that you would be asked that. But obviously, at this point, they don't know that their daughter's pregnant they think she's on this great path and everything to becoming this doctor and so when you compare a non-high school graduate to being pre-med it does seem that he's just like in a different world yeah and they're being not necessarily forced together no one's forcing them to do it but they're putting themselves together to raise this kid who hasn't been born yet and Clearly, what we've learned over the two-hour runtime of this movie is that they don't really belong together. It just was something they tried to make happen. Yeah, well, are they made a spur-of-the-moment decision, and just really wasn't a good one. Dean says, quote, not good enough for you, unquote. And that's sort of the idea that I'm pushing here. The inherent problem is that Dean never changed, and Cindy did. And yeah. That's just how things happen sometimes it doesn't even mean that dean's necessarily wrong it just means that they wanted different things dean was more than happy with being a middle class lower to middle class guy painting houses being a father to frankie that's right having a house in a yard she has a pebble in her shoe wanted a better life wanting to be a doctor and i do think that in a way she does sort of take that out on i would agree dean and i think that she has this resentment over like her even ending up in this position like not even just specifically with dean Uh, you know i feel like this this event i don't think she resents her kid or anything but i just think she resents that her life was derailed oh yeah so the movie ends at cindy's parents house although it seems like just the dad lives there now in the present day Dean tries to persuade Cindy to give the marriage another chance for the sake of Frankie. And Cindy says she'd rather not have Frankie grow up with parents who despise each other Fair. so much. Okay. There's some flashbacks here to their shotgun wedding. Yeah. Looked like a fun event. Let's be honest. Dean was probably blamed for her not becoming a doctor. I think so. And I was wondering, is this a Jon Snow situation? Was Frankie's parentage, her paternity, was that kept from everyone? Oh, that's a good point. Forever. I didn't think about it. I, 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 I guess like I would take assume this so. To your grave. Yeah, situation. I, I think so. Because I don't think Dean really wants people to know. Yeah, and what benefit would there be for her to tell like her parents yeah. that like, oh yeah, this is some other dude? Yeah, because I think they've always kind of questioned what's going on. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> After Dean reminds Cindy of their vows, they both apologize and hug, but she ultimately pulls away, and Dean leaves the house while Frankie runs after him and begs him to stay. He guides her into returning to Cindy and continues walking away. Is this the 4th of July? What I know. Well, there's American flags fireworks. and fireworks. I don't, I don't know if this was just some commentary over like what relationships in America are. <laughs> <laughs> this is America, folks. 
Parents are assholes. Yeah, but there They're is They're just this, selfish. They don't give a shit the, about their kids. There is this weird feeling to the way the movie ends. I mean, I like it, but it is just sort of like, is Dean just walking off never to be seen by this family again? No. I think so. Get out of here. He wouldn't do that to Frankie. Yeah, I don't know. Well, there is something like... Well, the, now you're making me side with her completely if he would do that to Frankie. Well, don't forget, the the police are looking for him, too, oh, so he's he on the lam. him in the face. He's not going to even... <laughs> unless he's got priors, he's not going to serve He's not doing time. any hard time. I don't know. There's something about where he's sending Frankie, he's like, you know, go to your mom. It, it almost feels like Game of Thrones. I actually where... was thinking there's a pretty decent chance they just get back together because they're <laughs> like, trash. Yeah, that's true. That, yeah, that is true. <laughs> It takes a while for these things to stick. I don't know. I was thinking she was going to make a run at Bobby again. No, I don't think she liked Bobby. No. No. Bobby is kind of scary. Those voicemails. (laughs) I never swore to a girl before. (laughs) You fucking bitch. (laughs) Just completely insane. It's nuts. (laughs) So, So you're like... Maybe they're just going to meet back up at the house, and this isn't it. There is no divorce. No, I'm not saying that for sure. I don't think that he just walks out of their life completely without ever being heard from. I don't know. I think it's possible. Oh, my God. (laughs) Where is he walking to? Home. (laughs) I don't know. To the future room. Yeah. (laughs) Back to the future room. Maybe this was like secretly a time travel movie and we're just not figuring it out. I mean, there is a lot of jumping in time. There is a future room. I do think that's possible. Is there a deeper reading? The if, Blue if, if time travel is possible here, don't you think like one of these two would be going back to like warn their past self? Like this is a bad idea. Don't do this. Yeah, but they're choosing to let Frankie live. Yeah. Because they could go back and be like, don't let That's him. true. <laughs> the movie's named after... The, the Tom, Tom Waits, Waits song. album, yeah, uh, Blue Valentine. Yeah, yeah. Just thought I'd throw that in there in case people didn't. It's know. worth mentioning. Yeah, that made me think the movie was cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe in 2011. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about back then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting time capsule from that era. It, it came out in a year that we really liked for sure. We were yes. all about. Inception and Black Swan and The Fighter. It was a big stacked year for it movies. It was, yes. And Blue Valentine sort of fit in there as well. There was a, an interesting indie dynamic that still existed in theaters, which not that anyone goes to the theaters now, but feels now like it really this feels, dried up. Yeah, this would be like a Netflix thing that no one would ever see. Yeah, yeah. Probably. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad, obviously. This reminds me of the time when we could still go to the restaurant at the amc theater they and then all food. pack in to see a harvey weinstein produced picture that's right yeah <laughs> which seemed like kind of a regular occurrence it's a different time it was all right so i hope everyone has a much happier valentine's day than dean and <laughs> cindy well they might have had a good one here and there in the years in between if you're in pre-med and you're having sex you know wrap that thing use up. protection yeah i think that's it's a good reminder to everyone <laughs> What are you doing? What? What? Vincent stopped making picks. Well, how am I going to know what movies to see? We have a wide variety of Gene picks. Gene's trash. I'm Gene. Do we have recommendations this week? I'll, I'll do a quick one. For the listeners that are following on Letterboxd, saw me check it in 
this week, probably about six in the morning when I was watching it. Oliver Stone. I just stopped. I don't say the name of the movie again. Oliver Stone directed Talk Radio, a movie that I had actually seen part of when I was younger, but I had never seen it the whole way through. I don't know. I, I'm, I was really into it. There's parts of it that I think you could do without. Like There's some flashback sequences where they give some backstory on the character that you really don't need, and the end is kind of hokey. But the scenes of him doing the show and interacting with the listeners, it certainly harkens back to like Howard Stern, of course, but I don't know. It's really well done. Eric Bogosian is like awesome in it. And where can we watch that? Uh, streaming on Prime. So that's Talk Radio on Prime. I don't really have a recommendation this week. Anyway, we'll just put down Talk Radio as our yeah, recommendation this week. I'll give everyone a break. I don't really think people care that much one way or the other about the recommendations. Okay. Wow. So this episode came out a little early. We'll get the next one up on schedule the regular way. We have some listener requests we'll get to soon. Follow the show on Twitter at GreatestPod. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Let us know if you'd like a sticker. And follow us on Letterboxd. Zach1983 and Matt Crosby. We thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. You and me, you and me, nobody baby but you and me. and you married the wrong man. Get my coat. You might as well, Christine, because I am not going to sleep with you. Not while you're married. I'm not going to sleep with you.
That's right, you're not. Not if you beg me on your knees. I may covet my brother's wife, but I am not gonna boff her. You have not changed. Neither have you, but you should.